Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. All right, welcome to another episode of the Culture Classroom. In the classroom today, Coach Torrey, we're going to have George Adams and kind of partial to George. He's our strength conditioning coach. Uh, he's had stints at uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. He's been at Marshall. He's been at Methodist where he did his under, undergrad and then came to us from the University of Georgia. And to hear his story, uh, you're going to get to hear how he got started with strength conditioning. You're going to go into what it means to build a culture of a weight room. So we hear from so many teams, but he's going to unlock the door of why a strength conditioning coach is so key and so critical to building the culture because he sees your athletes all the time. So George, welcome to the classroom. Thank you, I appreciate it. Thank y'all for having me in. I'm excited to get this this conversation going. So look forward to hearing what y'all got to say. Well, uh, I'll start out, you know, I, I've been with you for two years. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of know you, but I don't, I don't know the whole backstory. Um, so let's start there. Let's just go into your journey of, you know, maybe the, the cliff notes of why you want to become a strength coach and then the stints where you've been, like how you got to Minnesota, you went to UGA and their prime and you were training guys there. So just unlock your story. Yeah. Uh, so originally I'm from the South side of Atlanta, Clayton County, Lovejoy, Georgia. Um, that's where I'm from. Ended up going to Methodist University to play football, a D3 school in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Thought I wanted to be a PT. Um, went on that path, felt good about it. Ended up having to have a pretty extensive hip surgery. And so I had to go through some pretty intense rehab to get back, um, able to play. And that's when I realized I didn't want to be a PT. So ended up getting pretty close to my PT and asked him one day, I was like, what? What do you not like about your job? Because I feel like everybody always asks you, any, I mean, any job, what do you love about your job? What do you love about your job? Ended up being like, well, I want to do this. I want to understand what he doesn't like. And so asked him what he doesn't like. And there just happened to be an older lady um, just doing like activities of daily living stuff. And he was like, what I don't like is having you in here who's trying to get ready to go play and then having her in here who's trying to get ready for life at the same time. And he was like, you both need attention. He was like, yours isn't more important than hers and hers isn't more important than yours, but I can't give you guys the attention you need. And so that kind of shifted my brain to say, all right, that's not what I want to do. And then some people were like, oh, why don't you just go work with X team? And I'm like, that's, that's not how life works. Like, I can't just be like, Oh, I'm gonna go be a PT for an NBA team. Like that's what I'm gonna do. A very small job market there. So didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, figured at that point I'd be a football coach. Uh, I played football for a long time. Really enjoyed the game. Really enjoyed the X's and O's. Uh, and then I took a strength and conditioning class my second semester of my junior year. And was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like I like this, but I was never this like meathead, like live in the weight room guy. Like I was not a fan. You can ask my high school coach. You can ask my college coaches. Like was not a fan of the weight room, um, which I think is super interesting. But 
we'll probably touch on that later. I would, I would guess I would circle back around to that at some point. Um, but did that. I ended up interning my second semester of my senior year uh, with our football team and with our strength staff. Um, and at the time, I said my strength staff. Uh, it was Andrew Christie, uh, who's a strength coach at uh, Georgia High School right now. But, I mean, that's the dude that kind of got me started in it and kind of understanding the, the whys behind it and still a guy I talk to biweekly at least, um, if not more often than that. But we kind of we started this thing at Methodist, and then I, after my senior year, went to Southern Miss for a summer, and that was my first strength internship. Uh, then got offered a job at Methodist. So I was the assistant DB coach and the assistant strength coach. And just as the season went on, for a multitude of reasons, found myself focusing more on the strength stuff. And football coaching and my brain did not go hand in hand. Um, I loved it. I mean, I was all into it, but I couldn't watch a football game without breaking it down. I was like, I love football too much as the game to hate it as much as I do right now. So followed that strength path, um, woke up one day, bunch of personal stuff going on. It was like, I gotta go. Applied to Marshall. Two weeks later, I was moving to Marshall um, from Fayetteville. And then this kind of speeds up a little bit. So I went from Marshall to Athens to do an internship, which allowed me to get one of the certifications I have now, the CSCCA certification. Um, you have to have an internship, 640 hours under an approved mentor to get that certification. So it's super dope. Went from there, that opportunity, um, the head basketball strength coach, Sean Hayes, had a connection with the head strength coach for the Minnesota Vikings at the time, Brent Salazar. And I was actually on my first date with my wife and my phone was blown up. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. I need to look at this. And it was saying, are you interested in a Minnesota, in an internship with the Minnesota Vikings? And I was like, that's just a stupid question. Like, yes. So um, that ended up playing out, went to Minnesota, was up there for the off season. Um, I was an off season intern, basically all the way up until training camp. From there, went home for a little bit, didn't know what was gonna happen because it was a weird timing or hiring window. Um, colleges were kind of past hiring. There was no like pro jobs open. Um, Cause at the time I was pretty young to be there. It just happened to be like the connection thing that worked me there. Um, so kind of was at home and was like, what am I gonna do? Ended up getting a call from Embry-Riddle University in Daytona and went down there for eight months, eight or nine months. Got the call for Georgia to go back and do my GA. Got that master's paid for, worked under those guys again, and then uh, finishing up my, my master's degree that second year. Found out from Taylor Quick, who is a straight coach in Mississippi. He's at Knox Spader High School now. Uh, found out from him, he's like, hey, there's a school in the Jackson area that's looking for a full-time strength coach. And luckily my mom, she's from the area. And they asked, I was like, there's only a handful of schools I know of that can, that can hire a full-time strength coach. And so it just happened to be MRA. Um, went through the hiring process with uh, Coach Davis and uh, Mr. Self and Boom, two years later, here we are. And two state right. championships under your belt. Two state championships. <laughs> I'm about it. That, that makes it a lot easier when you're winning. So, 
makes it way more fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Uh, you know, Coach Adams, listening to your story. Um, so I had a cup of coffee with the 49ers. Like, I spent a couple seasons on, as, on support staff and as an assistant coach with the Niners. And the number one question I get, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same with you, but the number one question I get as a high school teacher and coach is, Coach Torrey, why, why aren't you still with the 49ers? Why aren't you working in the NFL somewhere, right? Do you get asked that yeah. a lot? Yeah. Once people find out, they're like, well, why'd you, why'd you leave? Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, coaching staff turnovers, like NFL truly does stand for not for long. Um, I mean, those internship service level, entry level jobs. I mean, uh, yeah. So here's a couple takeaways that I had because um, your story is very similar uh, to mine and my journey. And it was before I was married and had kids. And just for our listeners, I think this is super important. And I kind of explaining this to other people. And again, feel free to jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but some major takeaways I had was ask what you don't like, right? So find out from people what they don't like. What's the worst part about whatever journey or path they're on? Uh, And then be willing to move, right? So you said that you, within two weeks, you were picking up and moving into another part of the country multiple times over. That's kind of that hustle that we talk about uh, as a single person trying to get established. Uh, you found opportunities for advanced degrees, like getting your master's for free by just uh, being a GA. And anyone who's uh, been around GAs or been around college campuses, you know that there is a lot of dog work that goes into that, right? Like the the, the class is probably the funnest part of being a GA. Sometimes, no doubt. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the last piece, and and this was true with me in San Francisco, was I was truly living out of a duffel bag all season, mm-hmm. like staying in the same hotel the team put me up in. I had my uh, support staff, roommates, guys that were around in the hotel all the time, but I was literally living out of a duffel bag. And so it sounds like you've been there, you can relate. And so those are just some takeaways on kind of the stuff behind the scenes that people don't think about. Yeah, for sure. And I think in interviews and stuff like that, it's kind of like recruiting. If you're ever recruited, like the, (coughs) the recruiting coach's job is to sell you on the school. And when you go on an interview, it's the employer's job to sell you on that job. And eventually, I think one of the best things you can do is have a list of questions when you go in. And that's something I was taught. I wouldn't have thought that. But have that list of questions and make sure some of them point towards a negative answer. Because I think we get caught up sometimes in like the, you know, adrenaline rush of like, I'm on a job interview. This is going to be amazing. And it's like, relax. Like you still have to enjoy being there. You still have to enjoy the area. I'll never forget. I asked, so South side of Atlanta, I'm probably 25, 30 minutes from the city. Um, I asked coach Davis. I said, what do y'all do around here for fun? And coach Davis goes, uh, we hunt. And I was like, all right, I went hunting with my family here in Mississippi when I was super little. And then I hunted a little bit, like once or twice my senior year in high school. And I was like, um, okay. And he's like, the Delta's got some pretty big deer. And I was like, ooh, this will be different. Like if this works out, this is gonna be different, you know? But I think it's kind of like, you gotta figure out what's important. And if, if it's not the right job, just because you go on an interview, just because you get an offer, doesn't mean you have to accept 
Um, and some people probably say that's bad. Um, I kind of have a couple different rules about that. Kind of some that were taught, like if a connection gets you a job interview, there better be like really good reasoning why you're not going to take it, especially if you went on an in-person interview. Mm -hmm. But if you go and it's kind of like a cold thing and your resume gets picked out and you end up going through the interview process. And if something doesn't feel right in the interview process, you don't owe them anything. They don't owe you anything at that point. And it's okay. You'd rather, it's kind of like when people question an engagement, right? They're like, I'd rather figure it out before I get there rather than two years into it and be like, man, I hate it here. So I, I think that's a couple of things that kind of get caught up in that interview process and that moving process. But yeah. like you said, it's super easy when you're single. I got a 07 Ford Ranger that my life fit in a 07 Ford Ranger for about five years. I bought a table. Or no, I bought a dresser. I bought a dresser and was like, so do I sell this when I go to move again? Or like, cause it's not gonna fit in the truck. And so it was one of those things and then get in a relationship and then you get engaged and you get married. And now I look at our house and I'm like, man, we gotta buy a U-Haul, we gotta, <laughs> So, yeah, no, I, I think that's really good perspective. And then building off of our interview with Chris Four, where mm -hmm. it's all about resume writing, yeah. I think you're spot on where an interview should be a two way street. You should be interviewing the organization as much as they're interviewing you. For sure. Absolutely. I yeah. think that's super important. And I think that's especially being young, like as a coach, no matter what the sport is, strength conditioning, football, whatever sport is like, you just get excited about that first call you get a call and you're super juiced up about it but then so you lose the interview process with that employer and like they're they are that like they're their empl your employer they're signing the checks you're working there's that swap that goes on yeah you get those those rose colored glasses on and the moment is it almost gets too big and you get this tunnel vision of this is great this is a job this is but what you said was was fantastic like you know the employer has to sell you on the job that you were interviewing for. Yep. Um, You're so, you, so I go back and I think three years ago when, when the school was wanting me to come up in the Delta and they definitely did not sell me on the job. I went up there, it was cold and it was raining like, Hey, not let's go out to eat or whatever. Like, Hey, our concession stand has awesome food. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Called my wife. I was like, we're not coming. Yeah, it's not the place. <laughs> it's not the place. So, um, I want to transition a little bit because you are very talented at what you do. And I'm not just talking about strength conditioning, but it's the culture and the accountability piece that you hold uh, seventh graders to seniors. Mm -hmm. They're equal opportunity, every one of them. Um, go into how you started building your culture as a strength conditioning coach, who you are, your standards, and for lack of a better word, your core principles, core values of why you do what you do and why you're so effective with getting kids to understand, like you miss a rep, yeah. you're doing this. Just kind of touch on that a little bit and then we'll dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, so, uh, and as a young coach, I probably didn't know any of that. Like core principles and all of that, man, I was just like, hey, let's go. Like, let's train. Um, and it wasn't until I met my wife. And 
she's as you've been explained, JT, she's probably you two are probably very similar. Like there's not a day when questions aren't asked and like in-depth questions aren't asked. We coaches will walk in the coach's office all the time and they're like, is this how y'all's life is? I'm like, yep. Like always just at answering questions. So just like today when I walked in and you were explaining the difference between strength, speed, and where coaches need to be and understanding they were having a conversation like he was telling her as an athlete, like, this is how you need to train. I was like, I just took a picture of like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. That's how it is all the time. And it's not like, it doesn't slow down, but there's a thing called strengths finder 2.0. And for anybody who hasn't, I would very much recommend doing that uh, and get coached on it. Don't just take it because if you read the book, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say Don Clifton. So here's my Nebraska plug, you know, for, for this episode. But uh, Don Clifton is the founder of uh, this. He wrote this book, Strength Finder. Um, he's involved in the Gallup organization. He was Tom Osborne's roommate in college. And so there you go. I mean, talk about Tom Osborne, Don Clifton in the same sentence, in the same dorm room. Probably interesting. There's a lot of swag in that room. <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's super good. Strengths Finder is, I would suggest anybody that hasn't do it and then get coached on it. Um, because it, if you go read my strengths in the, uh, in the book, it doesn't teach you how they meld together. And with my strengths, I sound like a complete A1 douche and it's awful. And I'm like, this is terrible. But luckily um, my wife was working at an on-campus ministry and that was their, like their thing. Like, we're going to teach you how to operate out of your strengths. So um, my number one strength is competitive. And I think people automatically hear that and they're like, oh, you, like, you're about competition. Yes, I'm super competitive. But I'm only competitive in stuff I want to be competitive in. Um, I'm not about being competitive in checkers. Like, I really don't care. You can go win a game of checkers. I'm not worried about it. Um and then that number two is command, um, which again, you read the book, you sound like a terrible person if you read what command is, but the way it interacts, uh, three is significance, four is achiever, and my fifth one, can't remember my fifth one right now, but anyway, strength finder is super cool. So what I realized that I enjoyed about training is a competitive edge and learning how to compete with myself. And competitive when it melds in with those other strengths is more trying to be better than you were or be put a team better than you were so that's the part i really enjoy about it um that and that kind of shapes me a little bit and i i see it now that i know that but the uh the want to strive for excellence i told our guys that today like, I'm always trying to figure out a way that I can get a little bit better. Um, and it doesn't matter where it's from. Uh, it doesn't matter who I talk to. Like, I'm trying. One of my goals is to take away something from every person I talk to, good or bad. Like, it doesn't matter. But try to get that little edge. Um, I think that works a lot, and I try to bring that into a weight room. I think that's super important. Um, Sornix, I think, says it awesome. Their slogan is uh, physically cultured. And I'm like, that's perfect. Like too many people, it's like 80% of people, I'd have to go back to the exact stat, but 80% of people don't meet the minimum 
exercise requirements or physical activity requirements for a week. The requirements are three 20 minute walks. I'm like 80% of people like that's wild to me. Um, and that's kind of how I want to go into training. Like, especially these kids, like what, what's the new stat? There's like 7% of kids go on to play college sports. It's something around there. It changed this year, which was really cool to see. Like more kids are getting an opportunity, but you're not setting these kids up necessarily for, to be a college athlete, all of them, like some of them will. And that's awesome. And that's cool. You got to have those kids ready, but you got to kind of equip these kids long-term. Uh, and that's kind of the way I approach it with them. I, once I kind of set it forth and they start to understand when they ask questions, I try to get them to answer their own questions. Like the one we get all the time. So for instance, like a lunge versus a squat. So no matter what it says, if it says lateral squat, our feet aren't moving. And if it says lateral lunge, we're going to be dynamic. We're stepping every time. And our kids will be like, Hey coach, which one's lateral squat? And I'm like, when we front squat, are your feet moving? No. Okay. So which one do you think it is? Like you have to build your own toolbox here. I'm here to, I'm going to coach you. I'm going to coach you hard, but it's beyond 12th grade. Like I want to see these kids in 15 years and not be those people not meeting daily requirements for physical activity. Um, and then kind of what you touched on John is the, accountability part those like details we talk about that like sports build all the time i think that's super important and kids get reps in the weight room i get frustrated but I, it's not like out of anger i'm not like berating kids or anything else it's just and i talk to them and say hey, if i let you slip here that's going to cause another turn of that snowball because then somebody else is going to let you slip and that snowball is going to turn again and eventually it gets away from you and you look up and you're cheating on tests all the time. You're getting caught cheating on tests all the time. You're skimping out on work. You're not showing up for work. Once you're an adult, you're getting fired from your job. Like, and that's what it's, I think it's hard for them to understand sometimes mm. at 16, 17, 18, it would have been hard for me to understand. I think we miss that as coaches sometimes as, Hey, <laughs> I, I get you. Like I was there. I understand, but I'm trying to set you up better than the way I was set up. And not that I had bad coaches. Coach Flat is amazing. Um, coach Hughes was amazing, great coaches. But I'm trying to like build on top of what they established. So again, it's not just like, hey, I'm gonna go run y'all into the dirt because you skipped a rep. I try to tell them it's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that rep. Because in the grand scheme of things, a single rep, if you're gonna cut it out, is not that big a deal. Just like not touching the line, it's not that big a deal. That two inches is not gonna lose us a game what'll lose us a game is not getting that detail right. And I think that that's kind of the important part from my end. Yeah, I think the biggest piece that I've seen, and JT, I've seen it firsthand, is the consistency. And I think that's huge from a person that's on your staff. So he's not on the football staff, he's not on the basketball staff, he's not on the baseball staff, he's on everybody's staff. That he is a sounding board that sees every kid, boy, girl, through that whole athletic department. And the sounding board, I think, is great that you're so consistent, but yet you hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks for 
for what you do as a, in a profession. And I think you talked about in your journey of the people and the connections and things that you've learned along the way of what to do, what not to do has kind of spearheaded to where you're going. So when I'm looking at it, you know, competitive, you said command, you said significance, you know, how do you help? And this is for our listeners and coaches. How do you help a kid that has low self-esteem to build that competitive edge from a kid maybe that's not going to play as much, but he's got to be in the weight room. So what's a tool that you use inside of that, that weight room to help them build that, that confidence, that significance? Yeah. I, rem- I remembered it while you were talking. Restorative is my third. Significance is four. Achiever is five. Um, while you were saying it, it, mm-hmm. it clicked in. But those kids that, and like we said, not every kid is going to be a college athlete. So those kids that come in and aren't as confident, they don't need to learn how to be competitive. They need to learn how to be confident. And I think that's where, as coaches, one of my big pet peeves with coaches is it's like kids have changed. Kids haven't changed. Mm-hmm. Like kids are, kids are going to be kids all the time. And I get I'm not the oldest coach by any means. Um, I'm also not the youngest coach. It is, I still feel like I'm 21 sometimes. Uh, <laughs> 29 years old, so I've been doing it a little while, not as long as some, not as short as some, but I think coaches have this cop-out sometimes of, oh, kids have changed. Like, these kids aren't the same. Like, okay, figure out how to coach them. And, like, that that kid that is going to be an all-purpose for you, that's going to go to college, that's going to play football, that's going to play basketball, whatever the sport, you can push that kid. His goal is different. But the kid who wants to play high school football and that's it, his goal is different. Like he doesn't need to, you need him, right? And you need him, but his process may be slower because he doesn't have that big goal in mind. He may just need that confidence. And once he gets that confidence, who knows? He may be a college dude, but he just has such little framework necessarily starting out that he doesn't know where to go. And I think that is a kind of important thing is, and, and we talk about it and we've kind of adopted it yeah. as a staff is like the standard doesn't change. So the standard is always there, but you have to treat kids different. Right. Some kids you can just berate and rip them up and down and they're going to go, yes, sir, I got you. But then some kids, you don't know what their home life is like. You don't know anything. And you berating that kid may just shut him down more. You just have to love some kids up and bring them to a point where they're like, okay, coach does love me. We talk about that as coaches, like, yeah. I love you, I love you. And it's like, okay, well, let's make sure we're carrying that through, you know? And that, like, everybody has to, everybody's a little different, but yeah. I, that's just my side of it. I think that's a really important thing is like each kid is an individual. As coaches, we want to be treated like an individual and we want to be appreciated for what we do. Yeah. So why would kids be any different? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. I don't know if Coach Tory's trying to say anything. Uh, Coach, hey, I got a question for you real quick on that because the weight room is no doubt where young guys can start to, you know, take advantage mm-hmm. of some of their early testosterone, 15 to 20 yeah. years old, uh, and really build that confidence that's going to last them for the, for the rest of their life as they become an adult. Uh, yeah. I feel like Weaver and I are big relationship guys. And I feel like people around the country are lost on how they build relationships. So what are some things that you do in your weight room 
uh, with those kids that haven't built that confidence yet, that maybe are just trying out weightlifting or trying out training to see where it could benefit them? What do you do to build the, to love them up? Yeah. Um, and again, with Strengths Finder, my wife, she would laugh if she heard that question because though there's 37 strengths total, I think 37. I don't have a relational strength until number 14. And it's, and so the way I build relationships, she looks at it and she's like, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I agree with you, but it works. So um, I try to check in with them. Uh, I'm not in the weight room. I'm loud. I'm moving a lot, but I'm not this like ESPN hype guy that is just running around yelling for no reason. Like if I'm yelling, there's a reason why I am. Um, typically it's just cueing stuff out, motivating, but I'm not just like getting hoarse at 7 a.m. I got, you know, 10 more hours of coaching that I got to get through. So um, just talking to them, checking in with them, messing with them. I think that honestly works with boys a lot, like just jabbing at them. Um, and, and some kids respond super well to them and some kids don't, and that's okay. It's all trial and error when trying to build a relationship, I think. I could be wrong. There's probably some relationship gurus out there that would be like, no, that's not how you do it, but <laughs> it works, you know. Um, loving them up, kind of competing with them, you know, like, man, coach, you're not stronger than me. Okay. Like, coach, I can do more than you. I don't think so. And being okay <laughs> with, like, them being stronger than you, um, them being a better pass catcher than you, them being able to throw harder than you, whatever it is. Well, I but think about this. Them. I think about this. So yeah. I had heard today in class that Mr. Land, who's our head of school, JT, had a pull-up contest with our four-star athlete, Stone Blanton. Yeah. And Stone did one more than him. And I looked at Stone today, and I mean, Stone's going wherever Stone wants to go to play football or baseball. And I was like, hey, I heard you, uh, you did one more than Mr. Land. And he's like, huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think that goes back to like the jabbing that you talk about, yeah. George, is just the little jabs you give him. It's like, oh, he does know. He does he does keep tabs on me a little bit and know who I am. And I think that's the big part. JT, you and I have touched on this forever. Knowing them outside of their sport. And ask them yeah. like their family, how their family's doing, how like yeah. brother sisters. I mean, being able to ask those kids that is is a big deal because especially with what I do, um, like my, what they, my job does not correlate directly to the field. Mm. So them being able to just be like, okay, like coach is in my corner. It's perfect. Cause otherwise they're like, okay, what is his motivation? I'm like, I, I want you to be better than you were yesterday when you walk in. <laughs> so, but that's, that's a hundred percent. Just like checking in with them is, and that's also awesome. like knowing them outside of the sport. And that's perfect. Like you have to have a relationship besides, oh, you had 12 tackles this week. You had a good game. <laughs> like, do you check on their class? Do you check on their parents? Do you check in with them on like just how they're doing? Mm -hmm. I think it's huge. Well, I'm gonna go to a Twitter question real quick, JT. And I saw this today. And, you know, I don't even think it was a question, but is it, it was more of a statement that every high school needs to have a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a soapbox real quick. Yeah. Because yeah, I used to run a weight room. Look, I'm not a, 
you see, I mean, you see me on the track, you see me on the field, I'm in the weight room, I'm like, hanging out, I'm not picking up a lot of weight right now. I just, what is, what's your take on the importance of, we're past 1980, past 1990, we're past 2000, the importance of having a strength conditioning coach, not only from the training aspect, but having another voice on, yeah. on the staff. Yeah, I think, especially high school, a college has had. The sad thing is some colleges don't, and that's mind-blowing to me. But every high school needs one. You think about these kids, like what age they are and how that developmental stage can change them for a lifetime. The kid hurts his back. As an eighth grader, trying to do something that he's not taught how to do correctly, and if he has a serious injury... Like you're ruining that kid's life, you know? Um, I know I told you this today, we is you wouldn't hire a tennis coach to coach football. So why would you hire a football coach to run the weight room? Especially this is a profession now. Like people go to school to be a strength conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. So why would you not hire the person that's educated in that? You know, why would you not hire the person that has studied this and it's not just like I think some people think like the strength coach is just this meathead that loves working out. And I will raise my hand and be the first one to be like, I work out because it's good for me. And I work out because I have hobbies outside of uh, school that I have to be in shape for. And that's how I drive my training. But I don't, I'm not just like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, woo, get to go work out today. Like, like, all right, let's grind through this thing. No Um, Red Bulls, no Red Bulls. No, I now I drink a lot of coffee. I'm into that, but yeah. that's just because I like the the taste of it. But they, I think it's, I think it's super important, especially in today's age, to have somebody that knows what they're doing, that's educated, and that that's certified. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important part. A national certification, I think, is huge. Um, you have those, you have those nationally accredited things. So these schools that still hire people that are like glorified personal trainers, I'm not saying they don't know what they're talking about. But if you know what you're talking about, go out and get the certification. And I think that's a something that kind of diminishes our field sometimes is there's not a big barrier of entry. In coaching in general, there's not a big barrier of entry. And I get it there. You have the, the 1% guys. You have the guys that never played it down to football and are great coaches. You have the guys that have never played a minute in a basketball game are great coaches. But there's if, if you have something like this, it's so important, make it a priority. You want your kids in the weight room all the time, hire somebody that knows what they're doing. Don't just hire some Joe because he's a big dude and works out or it works at the local club or whatever. Like Hire somebody that knows what they're doing. I think that's the super important thing. And there's tons of people out there studying this right now. There's tons of people out there getting certified that don't have jobs that are, maybe they don't know the high school world exists. High school world is growing. Um, I didn't know it was a thing until about three years ago, three or four years ago. So I didn't know it was a viable option. Um, I thought it was like, hey, I'll have to volunteer and I'll have to have another job and blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of people out there looking for a job. And like I said, I think I go back to the point all the time is you wouldn't hire a tennis coach to coach football. And I think that I think that lays it out the easiest way. Mm-hmm. 
um, I, to me, it just makes sense. I don't, you wouldn't hire an electrician to do a plumber job. It, I mean, there's all sorts of analogies, but I don't, I don't know why you would, in my opinion, do that. It's really confusing to me when I still see that happen. Yeah, you laid out something today and just the strength and the speed and how it's blended. And I don't think, a, as you call it, a meathead coach, like guy that's all in the weight room and he wants huge muscles, he doesn't concentrate on the speed. And the speed coach doesn't concentrate on the weight, so they're not getting on how you laid it out today. Um, I mean, I was listening for like seven minutes. It was laid out perfectly, so I'm biased. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you're at MRA, so. <laughs> I'm glad to be there. I really enjoy it. So. No, I, I just listening to some of the things you're saying. Um, so full disclosure, one of my three biggest strengths or one of my five biggest strengths, it's been a little while since I've done the, the strengths finder. Um, I did it as part of the teammates mentoring organization. Uh, so they use a lot of Gallup, a lot of research-based methods. That's Tom Osborne's uh, charity. So that's kind of where I first heard about it. And, and it's been a while, but I'm a big maximizer. And so yep. a lot of what you're describing is just maximizing, right? We want to maximize the minimal resources we have at the high school level. Mm -hmm. So it's not just some program on a screen so that it's not just someone who has a key to the weight room who's going to open it up and turn on the lights, yeah. right? So yeah. it's not just someone drinking Red Bull in the corner, getting their 400 pound deadlift on. So, so that we've got a human connection here. Like there's a, a physical heart of the weight room that's spread out to other athletes and people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, like I said, it's, it's a bigger deal than just reps and sets. And we've touched on it, but it's a different voice too. Kids get tired of hearing the same voice. Football coaches, baseball coaches, basketball coaches, whatever the sport is, kids get tired of hearing their coach. As adults, we get tired of hearing certain people. So, like, why would we think kids are any different, especially in a sport, a competitive environment? You got to kind of think, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I think we miss how we were as kids sometimes. Like, we want the perfect kid, and we want that kid that is super coachable and listens to everything we say. But I wasn't that kid. I know for a fact I wasn't that kid because I still talk to my coach, and I told him a couple of years ago, I was like, I would have hated coaching me. Like, that would have been terrible. And he was like, it wasn't always the most fun thing, but he was like, you were, you listened enough. You just talked back. And I'm like, so when I see a kid do that, I'm like, Oh, like, let's make sure you don't rip that kid, George. Cause you were the same kid at 16 years old. Like you said, JT, like you're full of that new testosterone and you think you're the baddest dude on the block at 16 years old. And it's like, chill out, young buck, <laughs> relax. <laughs> so I, I think we got to do better at that as coaches is just understanding their kids. And sometimes they're going to pop off and sometimes you need to check them with it. Um, but sometimes you do, you just got to let it ride. And that kid being his kid and he's trying to figure out who he is. Maybe having a bad day, who knows? It's take the long view, right? We all had bad days. Uh, so it's like, don't judge. So I, I'm a, I'm a social studies teacher. So you're going to get a little mini social studies clip here, but I just watched a documentary on Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, called the, the, uh, the, Oh, what's it called? The opposition of sex. And, uh, it was talking about how law is, uh, not the weather of the day. It's the climate of the era. And I think 
you know, when you talk about the 21st century athlete, when you're talking about some of these changes with balancing speed or mixing speed into strength uh, and really looking at what that athlete wants to do and tailoring a plan to them, like you're trying to build a climate for the era. You're not taking it day by day. I mean, certainly the day by day is important, but we're not going to focus gains or losses day by day. It's going to be over a period of time. No, for sure. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, the short term, like you can, you can lose a day. You just can't lose eight days. A day at a time isn't a big deal. Um, but if it starts, if you start losing those days consecutively, that's when you start taking a, a big step back. But kind of the, what's the proverbial, like lose the battle to win the war kind of thing. Yeah. It's a cliche, but it, it holds true in most senses. Um, not, I mean, unless you're one of those people in that battle, but uh, you, you want to make sure you do that. I think it's a great analogy. Um, I think about like the Vietnam War and I think about the American Revolutionary War. It's like the, the Patriots won very few of the battles in the Revolutionary War. They kept the British fighting, right? Yep. Same thing with the North Vietnamese. They won very few battles against the United States, but they kept us there for a long period of time. And that's ideally what we want with kids, right? We want to come back day after day after day, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, all of that. And even if you had to get on that kid one day, I think you can gauge a relationship with them by how they come back. And if they come back the next day, super shut down, probably need to pour into that a little more and try to figure out like what makes them tick. Um, And that's something I've learned the hard way is because I, I coach kids hard. I want to coach kids hard. Um, but they still have to, like I said, they still have to understand you love them at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, like, truly love them, not just the, like, coach talk. Like, it sounds good. Like, truly love them and truly care about them. Um, I think you can gauge that based on the way they come back. They come back down in the dumps. Probably didn't do a good job picking them up, in my opinion. No, I think, I think that's such an important piece too. Uh, social emotional learning mm-hmm. is becoming more and more of a standard for educators and coaches. Um, and so it's more emotionally driven than it is results driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so many times we say, well, you're in the 750 pound club or you're in the 800 pound club. And so it's like your, your hard work's paying off, but what do you do with those kids that are maybe in the 750 or 800 pound club and, uh, they're coming in and they're emotionally drained. They don't want to be there. It's a chore. It's not something that they enjoy. So I think that's really important perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think I go back and I, I follow Brian kites and JT. I know you do with the daily discipline and we were talking about self-actualization with kids and being for lack of better terms, the best version of who they are and understanding who they are and what makes them tick. And BK had a daily discipline today that, I just share with our kids. I was like, your confidence isn't in the result that you're trying to get. It's not how many home runs you hit. It's not how much weight you lift. Your confidence doesn't come from that. It's confidence over competent competence. Like be, be great. If you're doing 135 on the bar, if that's the best you can do and your confidence level, when you get in that weight room, is through the roof, go at it. And once you see that, you just, like you said, you keep pouring in that and you love them up and, you know, you you challenged me yesterday with with one of our athletes. So I kind of turned that page and met with him today, and you saw where he was today. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, and that's 
that's huge. That goes back to that piece of we don't need to be the all end all voice by having mm-hmm. a strength conditioning coach, by having a sounding board where they feel like they can come to you and just talk to you about anything. Like I heard a kid yesterday come to you and like, this is her and this is her. But well, they normally wouldn't tell their baseball coach. They normally wouldn't mm-hmm. tell their basketball coach. They normally wouldn't tell their football coach because the fear of, wait a second, he thinks I'm hurt, I'm injured. I'm not going to get the playing time I want. I'm not going to get the whatever to where you are. You're kind of like this, a safe zone, I guess you could say, to help the athletes and bridge that and be a a barrier for good, not for bad, yeah. but a barrier to the coaches of like, hey, such and such happened, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to work this out. So I think, yeah. you know, just, but just like you said, you build their confidence in playing off of JT in your comment. You build their confidence in that weight room so that you can see it not just on the field and their results, which is great, but you build them as a person. So the long view, as we said, the long view is attached to them. So now that they're getting that three times a week for 20 minutes walking, maybe they've seen, they see the long view and you've built that confidence as a, as a high school student. Yeah. One thing, and I don't know about y'all, but like, I mean, I'm, fairly I try to be in tune with it is how I was as a kid mm-hmm. and I was not by any means this like incredible athlete um I was a hard-nosed kid that just threw my body around especially in high school uh but my confidence was helped me so much I and I told the kids today um when you step on the field or the field of play if you step into the classroom whatever it is like you have to know you're the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. You may not be. I never was. I was never the best player on the field. Sometimes I was the dumbest player on the field because I would just like run into things that I shouldn't have run into, but or take a hit that I didn't need to take. And I'm sure like we can all relate in some capacity, but even if it's that kid that has a low confidence level, you're saying if you can get him a little bit more confident and you see it, they start walking a little taller. They start chin up a little bit and you start mm-hmm. seeing that kind of develop. Okay, like we're getting somewhere. Like let's keep it rolling, you know, and try to build on top of that. And I think that's, like I said, remembering how we were at fifteen to nineteen, and being able to put ourselves in those kids' shoes and not. I know for for me it was ten years ago or eleven years ago. I was a high school senior, you know, and thinking back to that and saying, okay. Like this makes a lot more sense when we can look at it from that angle. Yeah, so. I always, I always told mine like, my, I don't ever give homework. And they're like, why? And I was like, well, when I was a kid, I hated homework, and those two words don't go together. Home and work. <laughs> exactly. Like, what else? I was like, well, summer and school. Those two words don't go together. So don't go to summer school. You yeah. know, Just do your get your grades during the school year, so you don't have to go to summer school. Those two words don't go together. Um, so. No, and. I- and I appreciate what you're saying with confidence, like how you define confidence. I just told our wrestlers uh, last week, actually, that confidence to us is the belief that you can get the job done. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's where clarity comes into it, right? To go back to what the kites do, uh, to, talk, to tie it back to your culture. It's about exceptional clarity and then making your kid believe they can get it done. Yeah. And that's what we're, we're doing, like a – what you call it? We have like a breakdown of our core values. Yeah. And yeah. each coach is breaking it down and I have toughness and 
again, my wife and the question asker that we got into this conversation the other day at the office and it was probably an hour and a half long conversation. Um, they're in a dead period, but I think toughness, like we always say that it's good. We want our, our team to be tough and one, some kids have never had a reason to be tough. So yeah. then, then you have to redefine what toughness is in terms of a kid. And I think the definition we came up with so far is the instinctive ability to respond positively to a stimulus. And it's kind of that same thing saying, like you were saying, JT, the, like you're in control here. I know that you can get the job done. But once they know it, I think it's all theory again. I think though that confidence level rises a little bit. And if they know they can do it, like once they figure that out, but we had a kid on our team this year. He's not a great athlete. Dude is a leader on our team, though, and goes stupid hard. And he never had a doubt in his mind that he was going to make a play. As coaches, we had a doubt in our mind that he was going to make the play. But that kid had zero fear when it came to the field. And But he had the confidence that he was going to get it done. And I'm like, no, I love it. I love your definition of toughness. There, a positive response to a stimulus. A uh, quick story from my classroom the other day. A kid came up to me and they're like, Coach Tory, I got to go to the nurse. And we don't just let kids go to the nurse anymore. They have to fill out a form. Then the nurse, you know, with COVID and all that. And uh, the kid goes, I'm like, Why do you need to go to the nurse? He goes, Oh, you know, I need ibuprofen. My finger hurts. So I pulled up the little the YouTube of Ronnie Lott where they took off his pinky and like he kept playing him. I'm like. Uh, How's your finger feel now? And they're like, oh, I, I guess it's not that bad. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so we're good. We don't need to talk to the nurse, right? It's yep. That's the positive response I was hoping he would get to. But yep. uh, So I love your point of some kids have never had a reason to be tough. And then it's up to us then to uh, provide that perspective. Mm -hmm. Figure out what tough is. And tough on a field doesn't always equal tough in life. And I think going back to that big picture thing is like, we got to teach these kids more about being tough in life. And you're going to get put in situations where it's going to be super easy to respond negatively to a situation. I think we've all been in places like that where it's way easier to respond negatively. And I'm not perfect at it. I'm not perfect at it now. And I don't plan to be perfect at it at any time. I just hope to be better at it as I get a little older, but being able to always even if it's harder, choose that positive angle. Maybe we'll we'll set them up long term. Yeah. Well, George, we've we've kept you for almost an hour now. <laughs> wow, that flew by. Yeah, it flow it flies by. Um, so, as we wrap up, we always ask this question. It's about our carrying trademark, and you've if you've listened to podcasts of ours, you know what that means. It's what sets you apart and shows kids that you care mm -hmm. uh, from a different perspective of then you're different from any other coach. What is your caring trademark to show that you care to kids or coaches? What would that be? Oh, that's tough. And saying it's different than other coaches is definitely a little different. Um, or just what sets you apart? Yeah, I think from that angle and handling kids and I need what I need to get better at is doing it with coaches and coworkers. Like I'm not great at that. Um, but with kids, I coach them hard, but somehow, and like I said, relationship building, not in my like top strengths. So, but being able to 
coach them hard, but them still understand that I care for them, that I love them. And I can't, I can't explain how it happens. I, I'll be honest, because if a coach did that to me, I would probably hate it. Um, but, and also understanding like each kid is going to be different. I think that's, I try to keep that in the back of my head all the time is certain kids you, you can, uh, you can tear into them and they're going to go, yes, sir. And then some kids will clam up. And I think understanding that each kid's an individual, uh, and the, uh, like I said earlier, the standard is always going to be there. Standard doesn't change, but how you treat people changes. Um, and everybody has to be treated a little differently. So that's great. It's a long answer, a little bit. But... No, it's great. It's great. No, it's really good. Really appreciate it, Coach. Uh, it's been a fun hour. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate y'all having me on. Um, like I said, I, I, it's been been super awesome, and it flew by. So <laughs> felt like we've been in here about 15 minutes, and. Well, is there anything is there anything else you want to get out to our listeners that's kind of on your on your heart or just something that's as we uh, close? Something on my heart right now. You can probably uh, I know we've talked about it, but got a little girl on the way, so that's super awesome. Uh, super jacked up about that, and that's gonna happen about any day now. Um, make your girls lift. Make your girls lift. Make your girls lift. Oh, that's kind of big soapbox right now. <laughs> make your girls lift. Make young kids Olympic lift. Uh, and then kind of my, I guess my slogan, my like kind of life stuff that I try to live by is be a good person and don't do dumb things. So I would I would suggest people try to do more of that in this in this huge polarizing world we got right now. Um, if we can focus on being a good person and stop doing stupid things, we'll probably be set ourselves up a little better for the future. That's awesome. It's so, great. George, cool. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Really appreciate you taking your time from uh, for tonight to spend some spend an hour with us and uh, share some knowledge with our listeners tonight. Absolutely, thank y'all. I appreciate it again.